Sportsnet tonight across the Sportsnet radio network. Show Ali and George Rusick with you for the next 90 minutes in another bite-sized edition of this program. At 8.30, the pregame for Giants-Dodgers. Game 4 will go across the network. While Walker Bueller, who uh, likes to open twist-off bottles with his teeth, will start for L.A. while San Fran will send Anthony Desclafani to the mound. Of course, the, uh, the Astros are off to the ALCS for the fifth straight year. Uh, they'll take on the Red Sox in the ALCS after disposing of the White Sox earlier tonight, 10 to 1. And uh, George, first of all, it's nice to talk to you again. Our shows are uh, pretty far and few in between these days, but it's nice to be doing these with you specifically again. And, you know, I want to ask you, George, is this the best time on the sports calendar? Do you subscribe to that take that MLB playoffs, yeah. NFL, NHL, all that stuff? I think October has to be right. April's pretty good too. You got Stanley Cup playoffs, baseball kicks off, NBA's winding down their regular season. You got the Masters, but October's the best, right? Nothing beats October baseball. And just to backpedal on your Walker Bueller, oh, who by the way, in the same vein of Robbie Ray, wearing ridiculously tight <laughs> yes, pants, absolutely so much so you can see the text messages uh, through his pants on his phone. But he does. I, I, I think I heard that, that he does open beer bottles with his teeth. He tweeted, now, it. He tweeted it himself. Yeah, you would have impressed me, or he would have impressed me, if he would have been opening it with his orbital bone. I think that's the cooler move, maybe. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I've only ever tried to be cool opening any kind of bottles with anything other than however you're supposed to do it once, and I badly injured myself, so I've never done it again. Okay. Uh, if you meet someone uh, that can open a beer bottle with an orbital bone, marry that person because that's a keeper for sure. My wife doesn't drink, so um, pass okay. on that one, unfortunately. All right. Okay. Well, maybe you never know, show down the road. If uh, things don't work out, you never know. Well, I'm, I'm, just, I, look, kidding. I, I'm, I'm already, just kidding. I've already been divorced once, George. What do you want? Oh, you trying, trying to give me more gray hair here? Come listen, on. Listen, I didn't go there. I, you're the one who just said it. I'm just saying that maybe <laughs> when picking a significant other for the rest of your life, maybe opening a bottle of beer with your orbital bone should be near the high, the priority list. <laughs> I, I never, you know what, to be fair, I never asked her. Uh, in our first date, she I, I assumed we were going for drinks, but then she ordered like tea or something, and I was there like an idiot drinking like an alcoholic beverage. So uh, there you go. Okay, what were you drinking though? Now I'm interested. I think I just I just got whatever we went to some local brewery. I think it actually. Oh, okay, all right. It, yeah, it was it was uh, it was a uh, it was like some pl- place here in Toronto, and actually the pandemic uh, shuttered that place, unfortunately. But uh, oh boy, it was a brewery, which is why I kind of you know I don't know about well, you, I would assume you're going to have alcohol when you go to a brewery. Yeah, um, at least your love survived the pandemic. It did. Unlike that brewery show, it did. Absolutely. Well, George, um, uh, <laughs> I, I laid a transition for you there. I laid out one for you there. Well, you, you do have a, a Twitter poll up here for it for everyone. Yeah, I do, and uh, I do want to get to this one because over the last couple of, I guess it, it was what it's been just over a couple of weeks now since the Blue Jays were you know eliminated from the playoffs. The uh, Red Sox came back against the Nationals on that fateful Sunday, and the uh, Yankees uh, e- eked out the uh, one nothing win over the Tampa Bay Rays. And of course, so all the chaos everyone was rooting for game one sixty three tiebreakers, all sorts of chaos going on. Ultimately team chaos died a slow, painful death that Sunday because the Yankees and Red Sox went on to play in the AL uh, wild card game. And now the Red Sox are moving on all the way to the AL championship series. But George has a Twitter poll up. And uh, of course, a lot of our listeners are blue Jays fans and which team is George's question. Which team do you, do you want to see win? the American League pennant. Do you want to see the Astros win? The Houston Astros going to their fifth straight American League Championship Series? Or do you want to see the Red Sox who, you know what, I, I guess I could have anticipated this uh, this perhaps early result, George. 
but a lot of people tilting towards the Houston Astros. Yeah. I, can't, I can't tell if it's recency bias because the Astros just played, yeah. but uh, I, I don't know about where, where you fall on this. Well, you forgot I wrote Astros slash gross, Red Sox slash yuck. Yes. But I'm actually surprised that 66% of our listeners, almost 67%, want to see the Astros win, which is weird because we know this is a battle of two cheating franchises. Uh, Houston, of course, cheated their way to a world championship, and the Red Sox potentially cheated their way to a world championship as well. Well, they got slapped on the wrist. Alex Cora got slapped on the wrist. So this one's a tough one who you want to see actually win between between these two franchises. Personally, um, I like to be a bit of a contrarian, especially on the radio um, and in life in general uh, show, because yep. uh, I think uh, that would stick in the craw, which is a saying that nobody says anymore. It's very old-timey. Of a lot of baseball fans, if the Astros actually went on and win the World Series and not cheating. Do you imagine if the Houston Astros win the World Series? Now, all of a sudden, I think that legitimizes their World Championship from a few years ago automatically, because it's like, well, okay, well, sure, they cheated, which every team in baseball tries to cheat on a day-in, 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 day-in basis. The sport's based on cheating. You steal signs. You try to do whatever you can to get an edge. But you think it would legitimize their world championship from a couple years ago if they actually go on and win this year? Because I think it does a little bit. Oh, you know, I'm not. I, I I don't think it does. I don't think it does only because the because uh, I mean, look, the architects of that team still largely put together the guys who are there today, right? Only the the starting lineup, the batting order, whatever you want to go with. For this current 2021 Astros, Houston Astros team is only marginally different. Of course, George Springer is on the Blue Jays now, but and, and there have been other changes as well. But with Dusty Baker back there and and uh, you know AJ Hinch and and so on mm. out, I just I, I feel like it's it's a, it's certainly easier to cheer for them. I I, I would love to see Dusty Baker win a okay. win a World Series championship as a manager, uh, but I I don't know. I I think I I think that no matter. No matter whatever happens, I don't think anyone will look back on the 2017 championship and say, "Yeah, maybe it's a little, it's it's okay now." Well, I don't know. Maybe it, uh, <laughs> again, we 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 have short memories when it comes to sports, and I think that the pandemic, if it only benefited one team in North American sports, I think it helped out uh, the Houston Astros because. Obviously, uh, they missed out on a lot of negativity uh, for them a lot of the time. They missed out on a lot of that stuff. And, yeah, that's a team that it's impressive. You mentioned it, five straight trips to the ALCS and against the Red Sox team. Now, can uh, and I think I'm a little guilty of this, and and you did a fantastic job hosting Blue Jays Talk, and I know uh, colleagues and fans uh, kept calling the Boston Red Sox a fraud and overrated. Uh, Can we finally put that take to bed? Because that take has been just horribly proven wrong that this team is all the way to the American League Championship Series. It's not a fluke. Uh, the Red Sox are there. They did it. Uh, nobody thought they would be able to do it. But that whole take that uh, the Red Sox season will implode and they're a fraud is finally put to bed and dead and buried. Because uh, what I heard on this radio station and a lot of uh, colleagues of our show that the Red Sox had no chance beating the Tampa Bay Rays in the playoffs. I, and you know what? I was one of those people. I absolutely thought the Rays would just dispose of Boston in, in maybe even three games. And, I, and I, after game one of that series, it kind of looked like that, like, like that, pardon me. But uh, Chris Sale, I mean, if you had told me, George, that Chris Sale in game two of that series, if that Chris Sale would go one inning after someone, I think it was Jordan Luplo, after Luplo would hit a grand slam off of Chris Sale, of all people, in the bottom of the first inning, and that the Red Sox would win that game, by, I, I want to say they won that game by eight runs. 
I mean, I would have I would have laughed at you. I would have laughed. And and I mean, they, the the next couple of games were very close, and there were some really crazy things that happened uh, in the last. I think it was in game three of that series. That was the the strange ground rule double play where the ball kind of went out of play off of a guy's head or something like that. And then yesterday's game was also equally close as well with the walk off. But I mean, yeah, I I, I got to say, as much as I predicted the demise of the Boston Red Sox over and over and over and over again, I'm done doing it. I'm done doing it. I mean, Nathan Yavaldi is probably one of the better postseason pitchers, um, at least active today. And but outside of him, I I, I never thought I'd I think really much of. Chris Sale at this point in his career or I don't know Eduardo Rodriguez at this point or Garrett Richards for example or any of these other guys and they just keep on doing it and Rafael Devers coming through with clutch hits hit after hits and and despite probably playing through some kind of injury right yeah I'm look I'm in, I'm done I'm done predicting whatever the hell the Boston Red yeah. Sox are going to do I'd like to say the Astros are going to destroy them in the world in the uh, ALCS on their way to a World Series win um, but at the same time I truly I have no idea what's going to happen anymore <laughs> Can I just say it put a smile on my face watching the Rays lose in the playoffs? Because uh, to me, I, I'm not a Tampa Bay Rays guy. Um, uh, and you have to admire what their organization does year in, year out on a shoestring budget for players. They go out there and they continually produce incredible players, incredible talent. Even their organization top to bottom and every level of minor league baseball were thriving this season. The Tampa Bay Rays know how to do it. But they've also... They've also treated um, baseball and fun like the red light, green light game and the first episode of the Squid Game. Like it's essentially that. Like and I, and an, or or if you want to do another pop culture reference, the Joe Pesci neck uh, pen in the neck in the movie Casino, whichever okay. one you want to do. Like they one. killed the fun in baseball. A lot of it, right? It's all analytically driven. It's all numbers, the shift, how they pitch, what they do. Yeah, good on the the opener. That's great that the Tampa Bay Rays did all that, but it sucked a lot of the fun out of baseball. And personally, from a per- and I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm kind of glad the Rays didn't win the World Series because screw the Rays. Okay, I'm tired of that stupid stadium. I'm tired of them not their fans not even caring about their games. Move that team to Montreal once and for all. Get them the hell out of South Florida because nobody cares about that team. I again, I admire what they do. I just hate the Tampa Bay Rays because they what they've done to the sport of baseball show. Oh yeah, when whenever it comes time to have the Rays uh, move out of Tampa, bury the burn the trop to the ground. I never want to yeah. see another game at uh, the awful Tropicana outside, Field ever again. Outside of Dick Vitale, who the hell is a Tampa Bay Rays <laughs> fan? Honestly, people in Florida hate the Rays. They don't even go to their games. Yeah. I feel like the Argos get better attendance than the Rays sometimes. Well, let's let's not be silly, but. <laughs> Again, the the Tampa Bay Rays. Again, they they're the team that that baseball that fun killed. Like they killed all the fun in baseball. And again, I admire everything they do. I just hate the Tampa Bay Rays and that stupid ballpark with their stupid ground rules. Oh, if it hits this part of the ceiling, it's a double. If it hits this part, it's a home run. It's like shut up with that dumb stadium. Move that team once and for all. So, so George, let's just say, let's just say the Rays. I mean, I, I, I'm kind of on board with you. I, I'm glad they didn't win the World Series because I, I, I don't think I could have handled a team that pinches pennies like that. I mean, they deal dealing away guys like Blake Snell and dealing, you know, losing Tyler Glass now to injury, dealing away uh, Rich Hill as well, right? Just all of the things they do and they seemingly, you know, bringing up Wander Franco and having him just tie guys like Joe DiMaggio rookie records and so on. It's just, it's just too much at some point. But I will say, you know, you, you were talking earlier. About about how 
if the if the Astros win the World Series, does that legitimize their 2017 uh, World Series ring? Well, I I kind of wonder sometimes, and I'm glad a that little we more. Have, well, I'm yep. glad I'm glad we don't have to have this conversation about the Rays because it does kind of feel like if the Rays win the World Series, it would at least in part legitimize all of the penny pinching they do. And I I would I would hate to see the the fun mm. getting sucked out of even more teams as they try to emulate what the Rays do. Yeah, and, and again, if you're a small market team, this is what I don't understand. And nobody's ever give everybody who follows the sport of baseball, I don't understand why they can't do this. Why? And I know a lot of uh, people from the Tampa Bay Rays are running other organizations, but whatever they do with their scouting department and who finds these players, why aren't big teams like the Yankees, Dodgers, and Blue Jays just poaching all those people away from the Tampa Bay Rays and having them in their front office? I don't understand the situation. Yeah, like what? it seems like why show why are they the only organization who finds all these gems? How are they able to do that? Yeah, it's true. I mean, I I, I never really understood similarly like what you're saying. Why why the the Dodgers, for example, and and I I mean the Dodgers do have some ties to the Tampa Bay organization, right? Sure, with their, with their front office. But why are why isn't someone who can afford to, especially the Tampa Bay Rays, are a team that ditches guys like Charlie Morton because they don't want to pay him a slight slightly a little bit more, right? And why yeah. why they're not just going and just paying wholesale for literally everyone in the sure. in that scouting department. But but they go out and they find all these reclamation projects from pitchers and they, they find all these guys who only do one pitch really well and then they turn them into an incredible reliever in, the, in their bullpen. How are the only team seemingly, and again, of course, it, it's not the case because other teams do a great job of scouting players, but a team that it's their absolute necessity to find all these spare parts and turn them into winning baseball. That's what the Tampa Bay Rays do. It's not like they go out there and just barely make the playoffs or just miss. They dominated the American League during the regular season here, and that's why when the Blue Jays were on this run, and I talked about it on this radio station, just get into the playoffs. You never know. The baseball playoffs are the biggest crapshoot out of the big four major sports. If you just get super Super hot. You can ride that all the way to a world championship. And the Boston Red Sox knocking out the Tampa Bay Rays is another prime example of that happening. The Rays far and away had the better season. Incredible. Their run differential show was terrific. That's great. Everything the Rays did this season was was just phenomenal. And then they get bounced in four games to what we all thought was an inferior Red Sox team. It's just whatever they're doing and whatever their front office pieces are, I just don't understand why they're not getting poached more. Well, I want to ask you this, George. You mentioned that the the Rays are one of the better teams, or were were the best team, I should say, in the American League. One of the better teams all uh, overall in in Major League Baseball this past season. I've seen a lot of sentiment on Twitter, and again, this kind of goes back to your your Twitter question as to who who Blue Jays fans would like to see win the American League pennant more, the Astros or the Red Sox. I know you can also text us at five ninety five ninety. We'll read some of your texts uh, over the course of this uh, ninety minute program, but. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of people, George, say, well, you know what? The uh, From June 1st through to the end of the season, the Blue Jays were the best team in the American League, even even including, I think it was something like their record was equal to that of the Rays from June 1st to yeah. the end of the year, and it was better than literally everyone else in the American League. Uh, and I, I just, I, you know what? And I mean, I, I see the counter side of that, right? The counter argument where people say, well, you know what? The uh, the Blue Jays didn't make the playoffs, so how good could they have really been? But I mean, I, I you know, I know we are, we have kind of relitigated this a couple times in the week since the Blue Jays were eliminated. But I, I gotta say, it's it does it does particularly sting seeing the Red Sox go to the ALCS, knowing that despite the fact that the Red Sox won the season series with the Blue Jays, yep. I know they did. But uh, at the same time, it's just I it's hard to digest because of the way the Blue Jays were playing at the end of the year. 
Well, and and, and here's another example of why uh, baseball needs to to fix some things. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make excuses that the Blue Jays are in the American League East because stop pretending like we're a small market. We're not. We are not. We play in one of the biggest markets in North America. They have an owner that has really deep pockets, and we can compete with the Yankees and the Red Sox. So I hate the woe is me Toronto attitude when it comes to the American League East. The one thing I do hate in the American League East is it's not a balanced schedule because that isn't fair. Playing with the Yankees and Red Sox, sure. Spend the money, be smarter, compete with those teams. How the hell do the Rays do it? on literally no money, and they always beat the Yankees and the Red Sox outside of the series just now uh, with Boston, how they eliminated them in four games. But just have a balanced schedule. Because look what just happened to the Chicago White Sox. They're beating up on that terrible, terrible American League Central, and then when they actually have to face a good team like the Houston Astros, they get their doors blown off here in in this series. Just have a balanced schedule, and then let's see how things pan out keep the blue jays in the american league east i'm fine with that but don't have this schedule where they got to play those teams so many times spread it out a little bit and it's finally time for baseball to have a balanced schedule because i'm tired of this it's so dumb how they do their schedule have a balanced schedule obviously it's a little more weighted to your division opponents because that means more with winning the division sure but should the blue jays be playing that many more games in this their division instead of the rest of the american league or the rest of baseball no it's time for a balanced schedule in baseball it makes absolutely no sense do a model that the nfl does and it's only 16 games now 17 games because the owners love money but it's a balanced schedule you play your division x number of times you know and then it's a crossover and then you play a team on where did you finish position wise and you cross over to play that team in your conference it makes complete and total sense Stop complaining about the American League East and just have a balanced schedule, and then let's see how the Blue Jays do. Okay, George, then how do you, how do you feel if not a balanced schedule or if they do do that if they, and they also implement expanded playoffs? How do you feel about expanded playoffs for yeah, the like, MLB? I'm not, I'm not a fan of the expanded playoffs because I think that's what makes baseball special. Right. Uh, if you want to complain about the wild card, just win your division. Win your division, yeah. but have a balanced schedule. Like, it's time for baseball to have a balanced schedule. And I know they love when the Yankees and Red Sox play so many games a year. And and right, the Blue Jays did have a chance to beat up on the putrid Orioles all year, and they did, which is great. But just have a balanced schedule. I think that's fair to everybody. The Jays should be playing. The, Detroit is how much down the road, show? Detroit is close. Detroit is closer than any team the Blue Jays play in their division, and they play yeah. in the Central. How many Blue Jays fans, old-school Blue Jays fans, love that rivalry with the Tigers? Why do the Blue Jays only play two series against Detroit a year? That makes no sense to me, show. If the Rays moved to Montreal, would you do any sort of realignment that had the Tigers, the the, the Blue Jays, and the Rays, well, whatever, Expos, whatever you want to call them, into one division? Well, wouldn't that be cool if they just moved the Expos to the American League East? That would be so cool to have the the Montreal team and the Toronto team in the same division battling it out. Or maybe the Expos, which I'm sure they would be called the Expos again, yeah, yeah. would move to the National League. That's fine. I just don't know how far away that is. You talk to people like Stephen Brunt, they're certain that that's going to happen here down the road. But it makes no sense to me 
that your closest geographical rival, I spit that word out, congratulations to me, are the Detroit Tigers, and you only play them six times a year. That just makes no sense to me if you're the Toronto Blue Jays. Hey, I mean, I, I as a Blue Jays supporter, I would absolutely take more series against the Tigers. But then again, yeah. you know what? We Going down the stretch of this season, how many times, how many conversations did you have and I have both together and separately of people saying that, you know what, the, the Blue Jays get a, get a lot of series against the Detroit Tigers and the Washington Nationals of this year of the world, and then they, you know, they actually lost more than they won, I feel like, down the stretch to teams like Detroit and Washington. Sure, but just have a balanced schedule, All right. right? Balance the schedule out, show, so it's, it's, it's fair along baseball. Keep the division, that's fine. Just have a more balanced schedule. That's all I ask for. It's not that crazy. It's not that out of the realm of possibility. You don't have to mess. You don't have to mess with the playoff format. You can keep the wild card because everyone loves the wild card races. Just have a more balanced schedule. That's all I ask. And then let's see where the chips where they may fall. Because again, I don't like this attitude that oh the Yankees are playing in the American, uh, the Blue Jays playing the American League East. Stop. Woe is me. The Blue Jays are a major. They're the team of this country. When the Blue Jays are in the playoffs, everybody is watching the Toronto Blue Jays. They have millions and millions of fans in this country. They're the only team in baseball that has an entire country behind them. Because as you know, show, and especially TV ratings down south, baseball has become a very, very regional sport. The Blue Jays are the exception to the rule until the Expos potentially come back to Montreal. An entire country is behind the Blue Jays. Not woe is me that they play against the Yankees and the Red Sox. Just have a damn balanced schedule. If the Rays do end up coming to Montreal, it will be really fascinating to see uh, if they do end up in the American League or not. I, I believe it was on sportsnet.ca. Jeff Blair wrote an article um, a couple of, maybe it was right before the end of the regular season. And he did say that it certainly seems like the Blue Jays themselves, the Blue Jays organization um, are, are okay with the Montreal. Because of course, much like how, you know, any conversations about franchises moving into general, generally speaking, other franchises territory, they kind of have to sign off on it. So uh, the Blue Jays organization, according to Blair, uh, would 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 be okay with it, but would like to see the Expos go to the National League. But I mean, that okay. that's all that's all coming forward in the future. The CBA negotiations are going to be a really contentious lot as well. Uh, the next Shocker. year, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, don't it doesn't it get your blood flowing? Good CBA talk, George. Oh man, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's so exhausting. I know, right? And living through all of those uh, work stoppages, especially in the NHL too, right? Where you hear terms like, that's the hill they're going to die on here or they're not going to have a salary cap and this and that and the Olympics. It's just, fans just don't care about that. Yeah, should there be more cost certainty in baseball? I guess. Like, but even teams like the Yankees aren't spending what they used to show. Yeah, like that this this the Steinbrenners now that that the old man has passed away that they're not spending what they used to. The Red Sox didn't want to give Mookie Betts the money. And they moved on from Mookie Betts. That just goes to show you where baseball is headed. Uh, I don't think the money, well, obviously, the, the TV money is still very lucrative in baseball. It's just those big teams outside of the Dodgers and right now the Padres don't want to spend that enormous amount of money anymore. They want to be a little more uh, cost, a little more cost certainty surrounding their teams. And that's fine. And that just bodes well for the Blue Jays because the Blue Jays can spend right with those teams because everyone talks about how uh, the ownership doesn't want to spend money. Well, if you look at the rosters in 15 and 16 when they were a playoff team, top five payroll in baseball. So the Blue Jays can get back there. It's just, I keep harping this point. Have a damn balanced schedule. Oh, and while we're at it, why don't we have uh, robot umpires and let's figure out the strike zone too. Yes, Because it's it's egregious. You see some of these calls and people love to tweet out some of the bad calls we're getting balls and strikes. And you know what? Uh, Obviously, when you have super old umpires like Cowboy Joe West, who's finally retiring. When the guy's in his 70s, what do you expect him 
to see back there. Like, baseball's harder now to umpire than it ever has been before in the history of the game with how hard relievers throw. Show It is very, very difficult to umpire a Major League Baseball game, especially with these pitchers and their spin rate and how they make the ball dance. It's hard to determine whether or not a ball is a strike or a ball. Just get the robot umpires in here. There has to be technology out there where we can figure this out. If they can, and again, I know it, it happened in minor league baseball, didn't work that great. Please, if baseball really wants it, they can have it. In tennis, they can determine a ball that's been hit over 130 miles an hour on a serve. They can determine whether it's in or out to within a millimeter. Yeah. We can't figure this out in baseball show. Yeah, I feel you, man. Like that's you look at the 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 replay system in, and I dare I say in almost every major professional sport, and you add in things like tennis as well, like you just mentioned. There's no real reason they can't have it if they don't really want it, right? So yes. I, I, I'm I'm all for robot. Bring the bring me the robots. I I for one welcome yeah. our robot overlords when it comes me to too. Uh, when it comes to when it comes to major league baseball. Or even have a, have a guy like Angel Hernandez back there. He's got a little buzzer that says ball or strike. Yeah. You still have the human element. He's still calling the balls or strikes, but the machine is telling him what it is. What happens and then if he what still manages the game and everything to... in the lineups? Sure. Keep the umpire behind the plate, and he can call plays uh, whether or not they're safer out at home or if the guy went around with his bat. Fine. The actual balls and strikes should be automatic because I'm tired of these gray areas. Oh, he's a he's a pitcher's pitcher, or he's a hitter's. Uh, sorry, he's a pitcher's umpire, or he's a pitcher's. Uh, he's a hitter's umpire. That just makes no sense. It's either a ball or a strike. It's very black or white, and that's how it should be in baseball. It's either in the strike zone or it isn't. Just like in football, either it's inbounds or it isn't. I like it. If you want to text us at 59590, uh, leave your name and location. You can text us about a balanced schedule, about the CBA negotiations, about robot umpires, about anything you want. You can shoot us a text. Again, 59590, you know, leave your name and location. We got Alex Fast coming up uh, from ESPN, pitcher list and uh, ESPN. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask him, what would he rather have for next season, a balanced schedule or robot umpires? I'm, uh, you know what? I, Alex always has some really good information on that kind of stuff. And Alex, I know for a fact, does support analytics and all those kind of stuff. So I feel like, I feel like without, without asking him right away, I feel like he will be in favor of robot umpires. But uh, we'll have to ask him. He's coming on at 8 Eastern. He'll join us ahead of we, uh, making way for Giants-Dodgers Game 4 of the NLDS. That's after us. But coming up straight ahead, Luke Fox, NHL and Leafs writer for Sportsnet.ca. We will get you set for the NHL season drop. And we'll, of course, talk some uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. They have their season opener against the Montreal Canadiens at Scotiabank Arena. That'll be on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360 tomorrow evening. But Luke Fox is next. Show and, show and George across the Sportsnet radio network. As an unlicensed doctor, we suggest a prescription for one of our shows. Sign up for our free podcast at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher. Fake doctor's orders. Sportsnet 590 The Fan on demand. Back to Sportsnet tonight across the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show and George with you for another hour or so. After that, we'll make way for the pregame of Giants-Dodgers game four of the NLDS as the uh, Giants will look to beat the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, in, in game four. Walker Bueller is going to get the start on short rest for the Dodgers. And uh, Anthony Descafani will go for the San Francisco Giants. But that's after us. Right now, however, uh, on Sportsnet television is puck drop 
of the NHL season opener, George. It's Tampa Bay going to raise their cup banner uh, for the second consecutive year against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And uh, joining us right now on the line to chat about that and all things Toronto Maple Leafs is Luke Fox from Sportsnet.ca. And uh, Luke, thank you so much for joining us. And I guess I guess we kind of have to start with the NHL season opener. And I guess before the puck actually gets dropped, because I'm sure there are going to be some, uh, some festivities down south, uh, who do you have... You know, you want to get your your annual Stanley Cup predictions uh, out of the way right now, or, or what, what do you want to do? Dealer's choice for you, Luke. Well, we can do it. I, I have I have called the Colorado Avalanche um, winning the Ooh, Cup. All right. All, although although you know, it wouldn't surprise me if if Tampa Bay becomes the first team to three peat in the Cap era. That that the way that team is constructed, the way they always have new guys coming up, ready to fill in the holes in the lineup is just remarkable um and you know for john cooper especially like what a few months it's been for him he wins the cup he gets named head coach of team canada he gets a brand spanking new contract that is supposed to be worth right up there with with the big guys like joel quinville uh and now he gets to to see the banner raise so uh quite an accomplishment for the longest tenured coach in hockey and uh yeah, the Lightning just that that organization, the way it's run, the way they've gotten guys to to take a little bit less on their contracts, they're the model franchise right now. Luke, we know that John Tavares has spoken openly about being on Team Canada, and that's something he really wants because he you know time is is kind of fleeting here for him to be on that team. But is Steven Stamkos a guy that's a borderline Team Canada guy? Because I, I think he is, and I think. These important next few months are probably really important for him for a guy who missed out when he broke his leg the last time. Yeah, you're absolutely right, George. I, I have him on the bubble. I think I think especially when it comes to forwards, there's a lot of guys that you could make a case for. And, you know, it, by all accounts, Doug Armstrong is kind of going with the approach of we're not necessarily going to take the the 12 best guys that can put the puck in the net. We want to have some role players, some defensively responsible guys as well. So I think Stamkos is, is in the mix, but n- not guaranteed a spot. Um, and certainly you'd like to think uh, having John Cooper's voice in the mix would help him, but he's got other guys that, that'll, that'll be in the mix too, like Braden Point, I think should be on Team Canada. So it, it's going to be tough. But absolutely, I think there's some sentimental attachment to rooting for Stamkos to get on that team just because of the timing of uh, his peak kind of aligned with Sochi and that unfortunate uh, broken leg. And he tried to get back and tried to play, didn't quite make it. He was given a gold medal, so he has a gold medal. But I'm sure any athlete knows it, it doesn't quite feel the same as if you actually played. And uh, I know the World Cup meant a lot to him in 16 here in Toronto. Um, the fact that he was part of that team, Canada. But it wasn't a true best on best. It wasn't an Olympics. So I'm sure he's dying, dying to get on that plane to Beijing. Uh, real quick, though, about just the one thing you said there, I thought it was really fascinating. Uh, maybe Doug Armstrong wants to have more role players on Team Canada. Please don't do that, Doug Armstrong, because uh, we saw what sure. happened in the past with Canada doing that. We all remember the disaster that was Turin. Um, I don't know about you, Luke, but I'm okay with guys who are the best player on their team learning to how to check 
for a two-week tournament. And when you look at that team in 2 they had guys with over 1,500 career goals playing on the fourth line. Like, Team Canada, doesn't matter. Don't please take a specialized penalty killer. Just take the best of the best and make them play roles, which I'm sure they're capable of doing. Why do we try to mess with that? Because that's the success we've had in 10, in 14, in 2 It's worked. Don't mess with it. That wasn't well, we'll a question. See. It was a statement more. Sorry. No, no, but it's a, it's an interesting debate, and I wonder how far he goes. Like, when he says that, does he mean he takes Ryan O'Reilly, who doesn't score a ton of goals in comparison to some of the other candidates, but is a heck of a defensive player? Uh, or does he go so far as to take a Zach Hyman? I've heard his name floated, you know, and that, and that guy's purely a checker. He doesn't have the hands of you know, so many other guys that, that would deserve to be there, but he's a workhorse and a grinder and a four checker. So it's going to be fascinating to see how he fills out the forward group, especially like the fourth line. Does he pick, you know, the ultimate fourth liners or does he go for guys who can score, but are willing to adapt. And Stamkos has been willing to adapt. Like he, he's, he's kind of seated from uh, the spotlight a little bit in Tampa and, Kucherov's taken his minutes and points taken his minutes and he's been fine with that he's he's adapted well and and you know kind of adjusted his game to when he's realized that younger guys capable of scoring have kind of taken over the top line minutes there chatting with Luke Fox Leafs and NHL writer for sportsnet.ca uh, Luke before we move on to the Leafs I just got to ask uh, real quick um, since we're talking about the Olympics Sidney Crosby who is not playing tonight for for the Pittsburgh Penguins in Tampa um, Crosby I still feel like he's almost definitely going to be on this Olympic team but I'm just curious do you at this point of his career still put Crosby with guys like Bergeron and Marchand just because of the familiarity there yeah I would I would think you do um, like if it's not broke don't don't fix it. And, you know, Marshawn still has game. Bergeron still has game. Uh, and Crosby is going. So they, they announced last week that McDavid, Crosby, and Alex Petrangelo, which is kind of interesting since uh, Doug Armstrong didn't give him the contract he wanted, but he made him the first defenseman. Those guys are officially on the team because every nation had to name three guys. Um, so those guys are definitely going. But I, I would expect Bergeron um, – to, to play and, and Marshawn. And I would, I would think you keep those three together, uh, create, and maybe you have like a super speed line with McKinnon and, and McDavid on the same line or something like that. Oh my God. Yeah. Luke, <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking about that. Uh, you put McKinnon, McDavid and Braden point together. That's the fastest oh. line in the history of hockey. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, That would be cool. That's awesome. I asked John Cooper, interviewed him a couple months ago. I go, are you running lines down on napkins? He's like, I totally am doing that because that's awesome. Because why wouldn't you yeah. if you're the head coach? You're at a bar having a drink. Yeah, maybe I'll put these guys together. Um, Luke, a guy who's already been named to Team USA, Austin Matthews, uh, going to miss the first few games here, three games we think for sure, uh, with his wrist issues. What the hell took so long for him to get that surgery? Why, why is he missing any regular season games here, Luke? Because I feel like, was this mismanaged a little bit by the Leafs? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That might be a stretch. I mean, basically, they they didn't want to stop and have surgery when they're in the the stretch drive last, last spring, right? And going I mean, into but the, the off season, right? Because he had it a right. little later so, in the off season than maybe he should have, right? Well, I don't know about about should have. I, I I think surgery is kind of a last resort, right? You want to see if you rest and calm down. Does it does it go down? So what he had was a deep bone bruise in the wrist. Um, that's what they mentioned on the All or Nothing show. Uh, and it was kind of a nagging injury. So I think they tried to just, with rest, 
um, see if the, the pain and, and the swelling, whatever it was, would go down and see if it was manageable. Then when he started ramping up his on-ice activities, it was still nagging him. And at that point, they said, okay, let's get this done. If we get it done in um, the first half of August, maybe he'll be ready for the start of the season. Obviously, you know, Sheldon said this week he's going to miss three games. So he's going to miss three games. Um, you know, if, uh, a guy like Austin Matthews, I, I think you, and especially in Olympic year, especially in a year where there is extreme pressure on the Leafs to deliver, you get three games over an 82 game slate, especially when the Leafs have a winning record without him in the lineup. I think that's fine. Make sure this guy's 100% ready to go before he gets back in the lineup. And he's been practicing six practices in a row where he's been taking some contact. He's been taking some face-offs. He's working on one-timers. Like, I watch him every day. He's, he looks close. I think this is just the team and the player being a little bit extra cautious and not rushing it. Chatting with Luke Fox here from Sportsnet.ca, and uh, you know, Luke, with the with the Leafs game tomorrow, and no Matthews, as George said, uh, you know, you look to some of the the new guys on the team. You know, you look to guys like uh, Richie and Bunting and uh, Andre Kasha and so on, Camp as well. What do you what are you expecting out of these new additions to the team? And I think the guy I'm most curious about is Nick Richie because it certainly looks like he's going to be playing on the top lines. I'm sure Sheldon Keefe will juggle things from time to time, as as most coaches do. But what are you expecting out of Nick Richie in his first season in? Toronto. Yeah, well, they're putting him in a place to succeed, right? Like, as soon as Hyman left, this this big hole on the left wing opened up, and th- those are prime positions. So, uh, Richie and Bunting are going to be in the top six uh, opening night tomorrow, and Richie's been given that, that prime spot alongside John Tavares and Mitch Marner. Uh, we saw little flashes of it through preseason. You know, he had three goals. He just goes to the net. He's the biggest guy on the team he's fearless he just parks himself in front of the goalie but everyone says he's got soft hands he can finish plays um and and we've seen that early on you know and even in boston last year he had 15 goals um so you know i i expect good things one thing if there is something to worry about him it might be his foot speed but you know the Leafs are trying to gain possession in the zone, cycle it around a little more, get some rebound second opportunities, and you don't have to be the fastest guy. You just have to be smart, well positioned, a little bit fearless, and have good hands. And and so far he's shown that. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I still think it's a downgrade from Hyman, but I think for the price point that they got him at, it's a, a worthy fill-in. And he's and he's excited, right? He's an Orangeville guy. He's going to have a ton of fan, friends and family in the building. Like, this is an exciting moment for him. It's really rejuvenated his career, I think. You know, he was, he was bummed out, the fact that the Bruins didn't offer him a qualifying offer. He's now on his third team. Like, it's kind of like one of those moments where, you know, you're given a prime opportunity to play with good players. Like, this is the time to shine. So uh, I'm excited to see what Nick, Nick Ritchie brings. You know, when we look at the rest of this lineup as well, uh, Luke, and you look at Ilya Mikheyev, I think he has a broken finger. He's going to miss some time as well. And uh, one guy, I think I've asked you about this particular player in the past um, when he was with the Ducks, Andre Kasha. And Kasha is so intriguing to me. And now that Mikheyev is out, does that do you, do you think that changes the usage of Kasha at all? Or do you think it'll just be Simmons moving up to the third line? And and I mean, I'm sure, again, the, these, the bottom six will, will, I'm sure, change at some point. But I just, I'm curious as to what your outlook for someone like Kasha will be, especially now that Mikheyev is, is going to miss some time. 
Yeah, so um, Sheldon Keefe absolutely loves this guy. Like, he's raved about him all camp. He sees him as kind of a, a Swiss Army knife type of player where I'm sure we're going to see him on every line, probably, over 82 games as long as he's healthy, or at least the uh, mixed and, and mingled amongst the top nine. Uh, as far as Mikheyev specifically, Ilya took a lot of the penalty kill mi- minutes, and the fact that, you know, Hyman did as well, they're really kind of hurting for forwards to, to stand up and eat some PK minutes. Um, so, yeah, it's not the flashiest role, and Kasha hasn't had a ton of penalty kill experience um, previously in the NHL, but Sheldon's been working with them and really sees that he has the type of instincts that'll fit in well, and he's a fast guy too. Uh, and the way the Leafs have envisioned their penalty kill is to give the opposition less time to set up and be a more attacking mentality on the kill. And and, and he thinks Kasha can fill that role. So uh, he's going to start on the third line. Him and, and David Kampf, the, the new third line center, are actually buddies that go way back uh, from from the Czech Republic. Um, so they like carpool to the rink every day and, and they're skating on the same line. So they've developed some, some rather quick chemistry and uh, it's, he's going to be in a more defensive role, but as injuries happen or if Bunting or Richie drop the ball, I wouldn't be surprised if Kasha gets a look in the top six at some point in the season. Um, Luke, is Adam Brooks being put on waivers a overreaction Toronto media thing or were you legitimately surprised that that guy didn't make the opening night roster? Yeah, a little surprised. Uh, you know that this is this is the league, right? Here comes the crunch. So it came down to a choice between Adam Brooks and Mike uh, Amadio, and you know the way Sheldon Keith addressed the matter, it certainly sounds like this was Kyle Dubas's call, not Keith's. And I think part of that is because there's an emotional connection there. Adam Brooks and Sheldon Keith won a Calder Cup together. Uh, with the Marlies. Um, he's basically coached them the last few years at, at both levels. Um, they have a really good rapport. He trusts them in the fourth line role. You know, he had, he had some really nice uh, shifts there. Good couple weeks towards the end of last season on the fourth line with Spezza and Thornton. Um, and both those guys liked him. It's just a, a matter of they decided Amadio has more NHL experience. And they kind of, I think they kind of were like, Brooks is getting a little older. He still hasn't broken through. Let's try something different. Um, But centers are hard to come by, and I thought it was a nice pickup by the Habs to scoop him up because uh, he wanted to stay here. Brooks did. Uh, I know that. But it's going to probably be pretty inspiring for him to go against the team that decided he wasn't good enough on opening night. Luke, you just put it on a tee for me. Um, centers are hard to come by, and the Habs themselves just signed Nick Suzuki to an extension today that kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, eight years, uh, just under $8 million, about $7.8 million a season. And there's been a lot of uh, fans out there going, that's a big risk. And, of course, it's a big risk because you need to see more of a sample size from Nick Suzuki. But, Luke, it's not like this guy was like a seventh-round slug who came out of nowhere and performed like he did in the Stanley Cup playoffs. The guy was, he won in junior. He was a very high first-round pick. And he performed at the highest level in the Stanley Cup playoffs. If you're a Habs fan and you saw that deal, I don't know how you wouldn't be thrilled with it, Luke. Oh, you got to be thrilled with it. He's the, be- he's the best center they got left. He's he's a he's a phenomenal guy to watch, and the fact that he his game rose in the postseason 
you know, for a young guy, I, I think there's a lot of promise there. Yeah, there's a little bit of gamble because you could say, well, he's still, you don't really know what he's going to be. Is he going to be a bona fide, you know, top 10, top 15 center in the league? Or is he, is he already peaked and is he only going to be a really good number two? We don't know, right? Time will tell. Um, you know, it kind of reminds me of when the Arizona Coyotes committed to Clayton Keller early on. It was a big, deep, long commitment, and he hasn't really lived up to it. I'd like to think that isn't the case with Suzuki. Um, He's shown so well in in the playoffs, and I actually think he's made Vegas look kind of bad. You know, the the way that trade went down and the way that Vegas has gone out in the last couple of playoffs, I mean, yes, they've had nice runs, but when you look at it, a lot of it has to do with not having um, a true center who can create and score. Um, you know, all the, the talent in Vegas up front is on the wings. So it's like they let Suzuki go, and Montreal has a good one there. And I also think a lot of this has to do with the Kakanyemi offer sheet and Bergevin saying, no, no, I'm not letting this drag on. I want to nip this in the bud and, yep. and get him signed right away. I don't even want to tempt fate again. But even Luke, even if he turns into a really, really good second-line center, isn't $7.8 million the price for that? Really? The Leafs are paying their second-line center $11 million. Yeah, the, the only counter would be that a lot of those years that they're, they're buying are, are, are RFA years. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you're right. You know, I, I think if he's, if he's a great second-line center, it's going to be a, a good price point. And you'd like to think the cap keeps going up. Like, it might go up. Yeah. They're, pro- they're projecting a million bucks next summer, and maybe, you know, TNT and ESPN help explode the game, and, and people would buy up a million uh, Seattle Kraken jerseys, and maybe it goes up even more. So um, over time, it could look like a steal. Um, but let, let's wait and see. Of course. Chatting with Luke Fox here, Leafs and NHL writer for Sportsnet.ca. Luke, always appreciate you being so generous with your time for us. Um, enjoy the rest of Pittsburgh, Tampa tonight, opening night in the NHL, and we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, hockey season's upon us, guys. There he goes, Luke Go. Fox. Yeah, I can't. I can't believe it's here, George. It just feels like. I know we talked about it off the top. Like this is the this is the the big time of year. MLB playoffs. The the NFL is in full swing. The NBA is coming back in a few weeks, and of course, hockey is now back. Uh, like Luke said, in full swing. And um, zero is right now in Tampa between Pittsburgh and uh, and the Lightning. But um, yeah, do you have any? I know we can fudge it a little bit. Do you have any uh, preseason predictions? You know, well, o- overall season predictions. You know what I do like though, uh, watching the game on Sportsnet right now. They're mm-hmm. they're, they're using the ESPN feed, and yep. I, I don't know what it is, but the game's just back on ESPN. Just legitimizes the league even more. Okay. Right? and even on Monday Night Football last night, when you're seeing the promos for hockey coming, and obviously it sucks that Sidney Crosby's hurting; he's not playing in this game. But to me, it feels like the league's legitimized instead of being on NBC Sportsnet. And God bless NBC Sportsnet, which I don't even think exists anymore. But still, like you're having all these games that really nobody's going to watch. Now you're back on ESPN, and the spotlight is more on hockey, and and I like it. And when it comes to preseason predictions, do you want me to be super positive, or do you want me to be sort of pessimistic? Uh, be be yourself, George. Be yourself. Okay. Um, I think the Leafs are going to be in tough to make the playoffs. Ooh. All right. Do do they make the playoffs? I say yes. Is it going to be a dogfight that will come down to the last couple weeks of the season? I think so. Okay. 
Because you know what's interesting? The I mean, again, pr- predictions and win total predictions and projections and so on. Those are all you know so nebulous. Hundred six and a half. Yeah, that, Joe, like, that's that for is, the Leafs. That, that is seems insane. a little rich, does that, it not? I agree. I do think. I think that's that's crazy to me. I think that is crazy. I think that is that is a. Uh, that is a lot, right? I, I think right. If, if the Leafs crack 100 points this year on the season, I, I honestly would be, I would be surprised. And I'm not, but, I'm not trying to be a negative Nelly here. I just, I just do. Man. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know, man. That's too rich for my blood. Well, if uh, I, being a positive Pete instead of a negative Ned, there's one thing this team does show that we've seen with this core of players. It's win regular season games, and they're very good at that. Like the the regular season isn't an issue, but everyone forgets in in the, in the months that all melded together during the the pandemic, which is still obviously going on. But uh, if you kind of rewind back to March of 2020, which nobody wants to, but the Leafs and Panthers, the Leafs were in a fight just to make it into the playoffs, and then the season shut down, and then all of a sudden uh, we had the this crazy 2014 playoff, which ultimately the Maple Leafs lost to the Columbus Blue Jackets in the qualification round. But by no means, when the league was shut down because of COVID, the Leafs were not a lock to make the playoffs. And when you look at this division as a whole, clearly the Lightning are the class being the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. I don't know what the Boston Bruins are going to be, but I'm assuming they'll be pesky and good, and they have the best line in the NHL still intact. Uh, we'll see what their goaltending looks like, but their blue line's a lot better. The Boston Bruins are a bit of a question mark. Uh, the Florida Panthers are a very good team. Yeah. You asked the Tampa Bay Lightning who their hardest out was in the playoffs. It was round one against the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Habs, I don't know what the Habs are going to be fresh off their Stanley Cup Finals appearance. They're going to be a team that's going to be tooth and nail to make it into the Stanley Cup playoffs. Probably not going to make the playoffs. The Ottawa Senators are very pesky. They got a bunch of young guys. They got to get Brady Kachuk signed like now to get that team because they, they got a lot of good young talent on that team. Yeah, are the Ottawa Senators a playoff team? No, but they're certainly not a pushover. And we've seen all the issues they give in the Maple Leafs, even last year in that North Division. But at the same time, the Sabres and the Red Wings will be piles of hot garbage. So <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, those four, those top four teams in the Atlantic are tough. And are the Leafs to be a lock as one of those top three? I don't think they are. You know, I will I will say on the Ottawa Senators, I last year, George, if the Sens got even league average goaltending, I think they would have been a lot closer to a playoff spot than most people realize. Just league average. They got they yeah. had some of the worst goaltending in the yep. entire NHL. And even if it yep. was just slightly below league average, yep. they might have been closer to a playoff spot. Yeah, Matt Murray was having some issues in that. Who was their backup who couldn't can stop a beach ball? Oh my god, he wore number one. Why was, am I blanking on this? I How do I not know immediately who the backup of the Ottawa yeah. Senators How is? How dare you? What kind of radio host I am in this city? <laughs> god. Uh, I, I will I, again, George. Florida being the toughest out for the for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Before we hit the break here, I um, Barkov getting the huge deal. Jonathan is being one of the more dangerous players. players on that team. Yeah, like that team. If they bounce back, or even if they have even a fraction of what people are expecting, I, I do think they will be a team. Because I, I mean, how many how many games of the Florida Panthers do really anyone of Boston? Uh, Montreal, Toronto, Tampa Bay, or maybe Tampa certainly, but uh, the Canadian teams and the the Northeastern teams, how many games are the Florida Panthers, unless their team are playing the Panthers, are they watching? Probably not a whole lot, I would imagine. Well, like when when your guy like me likes to bet on the games, I watch a lot of of Florida Panthers. I also watch a lot of West Coast games. I love watching West Coast hockey. I can't wait to watch the Kraken and the Golden Knights tonight. Yeah. Be fun to watch. Yeah. Let's go. That'll be good. The two two newest franchises scoring off against each other. Anton Forsberg's the guy I was thinking about. There you go. 
Seattle Kraken and the Vegas Golden Knights will be facing off tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern. You can watch that game on Sportsnet Now or the Sportsnet Regional Channels. We'll step aside, and when we come back, we will chat with Alex Fast. We'll talk to Alex from Pitcher List and ESPN. Does some work for both. And uh, we'll chat with Alex about the uh, robot umpires. We'll chat with him about today's baseball games. The uh, Astros moving on to the ALCS, taking on the Boston Red Sox. The fifth straight year, the Houston Astros are in the ALCS. And we'll chat with him, I'm sure, about some robot umpires as well. But that's straight ahead. Show and George on Sportsnet tonight across the Sportsnet Radio Network. This ain't like when you're at a game and sign up for a credit card just to get the prize and then you immediately cancel the credit card. Because there's no prize when you sign up for our radio shows at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher. Sportsnet 590, the fan on demand. Sportsnet tonight across the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show and George with you for one more segment, just about 25 minutes or so to go here on this bite-sized edition of the program, George, as uh, in about 25 minutes we'll make way for Giants-Dodgers Game 4 of the NLDS. Walker Bueller against Anthony Disclafani on the mound as the Giants will try to advance to the NLCS with a win. Dodgers trying to stay alive. Bueller going on short rest. And, uh, of course, right now the NHL is fully underway, or maybe not fully, the NHL opening night is underway uh, as Pittsburgh is visiting Tampa zeros there in the first period. You can watch that on Sportsnet. Uh, but George, we do have some texts. So we're going to talk to uh, Alex fast from pitcher list and ESPN very shortly. But before we do um, you, you asked a couple of questions about robot umpires in the first hour of the program, balanced schedules, uh, all those kinds of things. So I just want to read you a text here. Okay. This is on, uh, again, 595 leave your name and location. This one actually doesn't have a name, but I want to read it to you anyways. Um, this person saying, I agree with George about the robot umpires. I feel like there should still be a plate umpire calling balls and strikes with anything in question. They immediately point to the tech and it determines anything that is even borderline, still gives new fans, and perhaps more importantly, traditional fans, a sense of an umpire controlling the game while having technology confirm what's a ball and a strike when needed. I don't dislike that. I actually, I actually do. I, I am here for that. But at the same time, I am curious. Where, like, if if Angel Hernandez is out there and he thinks something is a ball and it's a strike according to the to the technology and he calls it a ball, what happens then? Yeah, you can't you can't open that can of worms. It has to, it has to be one or the other. Right. Either full umpire, human element, or robot umpire. You can't have it in between because teams are going to constantly ask for uh, the, the technology if it's right. close. You yeah. can't do that. I, I appreciate that sentiment, but you, you just can't do it. It's got to be one or the other, point blank. Either it's a strike or it isn't. That's simple. So then do you still have someone like, uh, well, not Joe S, certainly, but yeah, do you no. still have an umpire standing out there just relaying yeah. the technology results? Yes. Yes, calling the balls and strikes back there can still call whether or not uh, a person, a, a batter's a bat went over the uh, the plate as a strike, or calling a play at home plate. All of that stuff, managing the game and the line, uh, everything. You still have an umpire back there, but he has a little device that tells him ball or strike. That's it. Let's bring in Alex Fast from Pitcher List and ESPN into this conversation. Alex, you hear us talking about robot umpires. Where do you fall on the idea of robot umpires? I know that's like a loaded question right off the bat, but I, I got to ask you because, I mean, I think uh, I think a lot of people are very passionate about this idea of what to do with umpiring in Major League Baseball going forward. 
That's such a great question. Something that I definitely go back and forth with all the time. The purest in me, which is a very small part of me when it comes to baseball, is like, oh, it's the human element of the game. You know, it is kind of fun to kind of, you know, that relationship between an umpire and a pitcher to kind of have to learn, you know, the chess match back and forth. And then, of course, you know, I'm an Orioles fan, and when I watch whenever they can throw strikes, whenever an, an umpire takes a strike away from them, I'm like, get the umps! Get the robot umps! Come on, it's time! Um, the one thing I don't think a lot of people focus on when it comes to this conversation, though, in my opinion, is it isn't uh, the technology isn't perfect yet. You know what I mean? They're still very much figuring this out. If we went next year, we're like, hey, we're doing robot umps. It wouldn't be uh, a seamless transition. They're already having some difficulty doing it at the minor league level in terms of calibration, making sure every stadium is appropriately set up for it. I think it's something that the kinks could be worked out. But I think a lot of people are like, oh, we're going to get the robot ops and it's going to be great right off the bat. I think we're still a few years away because I don't know if the technology is really ready for that quite yet. Alex, I agree with everything you just said. I'm just a little skeptical. We can have billionaires go into space like it's nothing and we can't figure out whether a ball's in the strike zone or not. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, uh, uh, so many other leagues do things better than us. But it, it, I always, when I yeah. think about this, I think about the NFL. And it, every time I watch a, a football game, I'm a big Ravens fan. And it's like, how do we not know where to spot the ball yet? You know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah. like you said, we can send a billionaire to space. But we can't figure out how to spot a ball accurately. It, it, it's, it kind of it blows my mind. Yeah, what? Okay, so uh, I've been talking about this. I've been waiting to ask this question for you. What do you think is better for the game of baseball heading into next season, if we can magically have one or the other? Robot umps or a balanced schedule? Oh, man, you're really dropping these big bombs. So, no, 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 it's great. So what do you define balanced schedule, just so there's no... Okay, so... We, we talked about this earlier that, uh, yeah, we, we a lot of Blue Jay fans complain about the American League East, but I say don't complain. The Blue Jays are a big market team and should be able to spend and compete with the Yankees and the Red Sox. I just don't think it makes any sense that the Blue Jays have these ge- uh, geographical rivals like the Tigers, like Pittsburgh, like Cleveland, and they only play them six times a year. I think if we spread out the schedule and it was more balanced, I think that's even more fair when it comes to the playoff format. Keep the playoff with the two wild cards, but you're playing more of the American League and you're, and you're sprinkling in the National League but if you play more American League teams I think it's just more fair for the league in general because look what happened to the White Sox yeah great White Sox beat up on all these bad teams they played a decent team they just got crushed in their series against the Astros just play more teams in your league instead of all these ridiculous games against your division I don't know if um, I think you might have missed your calling as a lawyer to be honest, because honestly, <laughs> okay. that's the most sold I've been on something in quite some time. Like, I was, okay. like I, I, I'm not even being facetious. I, I was a little impartial on it, but I guess now that you make such a fine argument, one of the big things that comes into mind, too, is, you know, we're, we're big baseball fans, obviously, but I feel like the vast majority of the baseball fans that I know will frequently watch the team that they are playing, right? I'm only going to watch the Orioles. I'm only going to watch the Blue Jays, and I'm going to watch their opponents, and I'm going to get to know them a little bit more as well. Um, the, the argument that I put forth for this that kind of backs yours as well is it's actually beneficial for growth of the game, right? How many times are the Orioles or the Blue Jays going to go out and play the Giants, right? They're going to play them once every couple of years. And if I'm a regular Orioles fan or Blue Jays fan, I mean, the Giants might not be a good example because they're one of the best teams in baseball and I could be aware of them. But I, it's good on a national level to show these burgeoning stars all over the place, right? Yeah. I want to see Vlad versus Logan Webb. You know what I mean? I want to see what happens when Robbie Ray has to go up against, you know, I don't know, um, 
any great NL hitter, now that I can't think of one that comes to mind right away, I don't know, like Freddie Freeman, right? Uh, sure. I, I want to be able to see that. So I think in terms of growth of the game, it's actually a very solid argument. I think I would actually choose that because I think there are fewer downsides there. Again, if we bring in robot umps, I still think people are going to have things to nitpick about. Oh, the robot didn't even get that right. Oh, I can't believe we didn't make that call. Oh, it's not adjusting for the batter's height well enough. You know, we're still going to have qualms, but I think everyone can kind of get behind a balanced schedule in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Because if, if you're a team of an American league team that missed the playoffs, well, maybe you should have did better against the league. And there, there mm-hmm. goes that built that baked in excuse of you're only playing these weak teams that no longer exists. And I just don't, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the perfect answer is, but I do know that uh, it's not right that the Blue Jays only play the Tigers six times and they're our closest team. It just doesn't make any sense to me. One series there, one series here makes zero sense. Yeah, that is a, that is a really good point too. And it's, it, it also like it, it, you deserve your way. It, it, if you get a berth in the playoffs, you kind of almost earned it a little bit more. I hate to keep comparing yeah. things to football, but it's like when, it, when a football team goes to the playoffs, I mean, they expanded it this year, and I think maybe too many teams get in, but they earned it because they beat a lot of those teams. And the way that the schedule works is obviously parity because if you finished in first place, you're going to play the teams you finished in first place last year. So it's more deserved, but you're right. I don't want to take away too much from the White Sox because, you know, obviously they do have a great squad, but I agree. They kind of were able to beat up on a lot of the poorer teams inside of the AL Central this year, and uh, and that's kind of why they ended up where they were. So I think that removes that question from the equation if we kind of increase the parity because everyone got to play Detroit, everyone got to play Pittsburgh, everyone got to play Kansas City and Cleveland. So, yeah, I think it's a really good point. Chatting with Alex Fast from Pitcher List and ESPN here on Sportsnet Tonight. Show and George with you for another 20 minutes or so. We'll make way for Giants-Dodgers at the end of this program. Um, you know, I want to talk a little bit about, before we talk about tonight's matchup, Alex, I want to ask you a little bit about the Houston Astros going to their fifth straight ALCS, which is just absolutely crazy. And, you know, George had asked me off the top of this program whether or not if the Astros win the World Series, does that legitimize any of their uh, past antics, specifically, of course, being in 2017 with the whole cheating scandal? I said, I said no. Where are you on that? You know, I actually, uh, I kind of view them compartmentally, right? Because I think a lot of the people who uh, participated in that aren't really a part of the team anymore. I think when it comes to the scandal, obviously what that team did was wrong. Obviously what the Astros did was wrong. I think that sometimes we like to scapegoat them a little bit too much when I think a lot of teams do things shady. Uh, a lot of thing, you know, a lot of teams do things that could be conceived as, you know, or perceived as cheating. And I think Houston got caught for it and, you know, We don't have to get into the punishment, whether it was too much or too little. But I'll say this about this team right now, this Houston Astros team. I I was a little bit upset when when I think it was Ryan Tapera came out and said, oh, well, they come come to our park, and all of a sudden uh, they're swinging and missing left and right. And I understand that that's a simple narrative to push forward. When you're looking at the data, right, which, of course, there is plenty over a full course of a season, there is nothing that backs up that – what the Astros have done is not legitimate. It's incredibly legitimate. As a matter of fact, the home road splits in a majority of categories are actually wider for the White Sox than they were for the Astros. So, for example, you know, if, if you wanted to look at if the Astros were you know, getting signs again, you could look at something like swinging strike rate, right? How much are they swinging and missing at pitches? How much are they doing at home? How much are they doing it on the road? At home, 
the Astros had a 9.4% swinging strike rate. That's just a number. It doesn't mean anything, but it is the best rate in baseball, right? Out of context, it sounds like gobbledygook, but 9.4% was the best rate in baseball. When you're looking at the swinging strike rate for the Astros away, it was 9.7%. Again, the best in baseball. So that's a 0.3% difference. The, the uh, White Sox had a 0.7% difference. It's not just swinging strike rate. It's chase rate, how many pitches they're swinging at that they actually miss at. It's OPS, as Vinny Duber on Twitter pointed out. It's all these metrics. I think if you look at that lineup, uh, they had six qualified hitters with a WRC plus of 120 or greater. No other team had more than five. I believe it was the Dodgers, and I don't know the other team was. It actually might have been the, uh, the Blue Jays that had uh, four or more. So I, I think what they're doing this year is incredibly legitimate, and I think if they win this year, there, doesn't, there isn't much of a leg to stand on for, oh, well, it's because they cheated three years ago or four years ago or whatever, that this championship is not legitimate. It's a new team. They seem to be doing it the right way, and I'm kind of all for it. Alex, you kind of led into my next question. Does a Houston Astros World Championship in 2021 uh, maybe legitimize what they did a little bit more in 2017? Yeah, I, I think it does. I mean, and I don't want to, like, I, I understand that that's kind of a, you know, this is an explosive thing or an explosive question, right? Because I think a lot of people are going to feel vehemently that, it, that they didn't deserve it whatsoever, especially a lot of people at your, your Yankees fans or Dodgers fans. But I, I think it shows that while what they did was obviously not right and it might have benefited them a little bit, it didn't benefit them to the extent that we think that it did. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, sometimes things can get blown out a little bit of proportion, uh, so, yeah, I think it does kind of legitimize them in, in my eyes. Oh, if anything, Jose Altuve has become the scapegoat for that team. He got booed today in Chicago when he got hit, right? There is no man who is booed more than Jose Altuve on the road. And he's doing just fine this year. <laughs> like, he's doing just fine. Yeah, yeah. He, that, he had a post-game interview, Alex, right after the conclusion of this. I think it was with Tom Verducci from Fox Sports. And uh, he, mm. he, uh, Verducci basically asked him, point blank, he was like, oh, what did you think of Tepera's comments? And you've been booed a lot because of what happened in 2017. And Jose Altuve, he may have get, given the best non-answer I have ever heard. He basically just said, <laughs> oh, yeah, Tepera, great pitcher. White Sox, they have a lot of good pitching. They're a great team. Um, Boston Red Sox, also a great team. Like, it was the, it was the most uh, – cal- he must have known he was going to get asked that because – like you said, he is probably the uh, right now at the very least, probably the most hated man in the playoffs, certainly in Major League Baseball. So I, I'm really excited to see what the Astros do against the Boston Red Sox. And as I said to George in the at the beginning of this program, the Boston Red Sox, I, I'm done trying to predict whatever the hell the Boston Red Sox are going are gonna to do, Alex, yeah. right? Like you, you watch the Orioles, so you obviously watch the Red Sox a lot too. We watch the Blue Jays, so we obviously watch the Red Sox a lot too. Like apart from Nathan Yavaldi, I, I, don't, I don't never know what, what uh, Rodriguez or, or Richards or uh, Sale, certainly, what any of these guys are going to do on any given night if Rafael Devers is going to sw- hit a three-run jack or if he's going to strike out four times. Like I, honest, honest to goodness, I am done predicting whatever the, whatever's going on with Boston. Yeah, it's a wild, it really is a wild ride. I, I could, this is off the cuff, but it, one of the things that surprises me about the Red Sox, and I, I got to double check, but I think I'm right about this. At least I was a month ago when I checked it out. I believe they used the fewest starters in all of baseball this year, which really kind of blew my mind because, again, like, who are we talking about? Like, if you literally go, <laughs> this cracks me up. Like, if you go to their roster resource page right now, like, I, I know they kind of updated for the playoffs, but their one two is really like, 
Erod, Nathan Eovaldi, and then so you have Chris Sale, who's been not, you know, he's been ramped up a little bit. He only threw 30 pitches in his last outing. Then you have Nick Pavetta, and then you have Tanner Houck, who's in many ways kind of a Chris Sale light. Um, I guess one of the things that this kind of cracks me up after, you know, their series wrapped up against the Rays, where a lot of people took to Twitter and they were like, checkmate nerds. Like you can't, you can't do that. That's not how you, that's not how you win a baseball game. And it was like, yeah, well, Heim Bloom is just the rate, you know, Heim Bloom who runs the, the Red Sox and GM, he's, you know, from the race. He's doing exactly you know, what he did for the race. He's there, I don't know. He's their GM, excuse me. He's their chief baseball officer. Um, but still he, he's doing that same kind of formula just with Boston. Now it's a little bit different. Obviously they've got a little bit more of a payroll, a little bit more willing to spend. I think the way that they, uh, Alex Cora handles the team is a little bit different, but it has been uh, very pleasant. I will say the last thing it, it was, it brought, it brought me a lot of joy to see a guy like Garrett Whitlock, who the Red Sox got from the Yankees, kind of have the last laugh in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe it's just a bitter Orioles fan, but I'd be lying if I said that wasn't kind of sweet. Um, as a bitter Orioles fan, uh, you've seen a lot of uh, prime free agents uh, not sign in Baltimore, but the Blue Jays have a mm-hmm. couple that potentially will sign here in Toronto. If you had your choice, you can only pick one because that's why radio's fun, Alex. <laughs> Who should the Blue Jays take? Who should the Blue Jays keep? Marcus Semyon or Robbie Ray? Oh, wow. Man, you are... Sorry, I'm... Much. I feel like I'm Geraldo tonight right now, too. <laughs> I'm just grilling you with all these hard questions right now. It's like Frost Nixon. I apologize ahead of time, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is very funny. Um, okay. Man. All right. So, let's see. Marcus Simeon is about 31 years old, obviously coming off you know, one of the best seasons of his life. Oh, the best man. seasons a second guess... baseman's ever had in the history of the game. Yeah, yeah. It was it was it was an unbelievable year. I think what we're talking about is I, I, I don't think it's a, too crazy to say that regression is likely for the both of them, right? Because you can't live up to a Cy Young season and and the, the one of the best seasons ever, as you said, for a second baseman. So who is going to theoretically regress more? Um at the end of the day, Simeon still exists within that lineup. So the runs and the RBIs could theoretically not regress quite as much. The wheels could regress a little bit because of age. So as a result, maybe he could go 10 to 12 as opposed to 15 stolen bases. And I just don't know if I see 45 home runs again, especially if it's a full season inside of Toronto. So, But let's call it 30, right? We're still talking about 30 home runs with potentially 100 runs and 100 ribby with like a 270 average. That's pretty good. Robbie Ray is an enigma, right? No question struggled before he came to Toronto, struggled a little bit when he was with Toronto, changed the arm circle. He is a fastball slider guy. And I think when I think about who's going to regress more, I think Robbie has the chance to regress a little bit more. I believe in what he's done. I think the league is pivoting more towards two-pitch pitchers the way he is, that elite fastball slider combination. But I think when you look at that left-on-base rate, when you look at that batting average on balls in play, that screams a little bit more regression to me. I'll say go with Semyon. 
Chatting with uh, Alex Fast here from Pitcher List and ESPN. Alex, before I let you go, um, I just want to ask you real quick. Giants-Dodgers is going to go. The pregame starts in about 10 minutes. The game starts at 9 p.m. Eastern. Um, the, the Giants are looking to advance the NLCS. The Dodgers are looking to stay alive. Walker Bueller is going to start on a short rest. And I, I think uh, Roberts has said that all, everyone basically is a go tonight, right? They're going to try to do as much as it, whatever it takes to get however many outs they need to win this ball game and enforce and, and a, a game five. Who wins tonight? Do the Giants, uh, make, give us a simple prediction. Do the Giants advance or do the Dodgers stay alive? The Giants advance because every time I think the Giants aren't going to do something, they just do it. And I think they've been subverting <laughs> expectations all year. So right. let's just keep with the trend. They're going to do it. There you go. So there's Alex Fast's official prediction. We're going to have you on uh, tomorrow, Alex. And if it's wrong, we're going to it's it's going to be another Geraldo Frost Nixon uh, situation <laughs> just here. Grill him. Yeah, just grill him. Just no. We 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 do appreciate you uh, joining us on this program, Alex. Uh, always good stuff when we we get to chat with you. Uh, we appreciate you being generous with your time for us and uh, enjoy the ball game tonight. Great. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I appreciate it. There he goes, Alex Fast from Pitcher List and ESPN. Uh, does some great work for Pitcher List, George. A lot of really great articles and videos on that website. But uh, again, yeah, Giants-Dodgers tonight. Uh, and again, right oh. now, we haven't mentioned this game going on, but uh, Milwaukee is taking on Atlanta right now. Top of the seventh inning. Uh, it's tied 4-4. Rowdy Telez hitting another home run. Yeah. Uh, it's wild stuff. I think I saw a Sportsnet Stats tweet. Rowdy Telez is the first player in the history of the Milwaukee Brewers to hit multiple go-ahead home runs in the same series. So I think he, he made it 4-2, and then uh, the Braves scored a couple more runs. But still, uh, Rowdy Telez finding a new finding new life in milwaukee yeah uh can i uh i'm gonna give a shout out to a uh a name that's uh very familiar with our listeners okay uh, i go i play golf occasionally with uh elliot price because uh, he lives down in the niagara region and he told me uh once the blue jays uh say goodbye to roddy telez and trade in them they go he can really hit and every time roddy telez something does does something big in the playoffs he sends me a text like he did tonight i told you roddy can hit <laughs> I, I were you like were you, clockwork were you broken up when rowdy got traded george well, like it just felt like you could always see the potential, right? But that's why he was so maddening because he'd never live up to the potential. And I think sometimes it just takes going to another team to live up to said potential. Doesn't it feel that way? I just never feel like he would have been that guy with the Blue Jays. I think he needed that change of scenery show. I think he also probably just got squeezed because he, he was either a DH or he was a first baseman. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr. took control of the first base situation, as, as everyone hoped he would. So now Vladdy Jr. is the everyday first baseman. And what are you going to do with Rowdy? You're only going to DH him sometimes? That doesn't seem like it's going to work out yeah. for someone like Rowdy. Yeah. But again, hey, good for him. Uh, and, and, and the Milwaukee Brewers are a team that, that they're there. I just I think a lot of Blue Jays fans have a soft spot for the Braves and Alex Anthopoulos, and sure. they would like to see Double A win a World Championship. I, uh, I I don't I don't mean to be again a negative uh, negative Ned. Did you say it was negative Ned? Negative Ned. Yeah. Okay. You want instead of being a positive Pete, you want to be a negative Ned. Yeah. Well, I'm just just to say that uh, AA is not winning a World Series championship with the Braves. Unfortunately, it's not happening man. ever. I think I think if his entire tenure there, yes, he is no no World Whoa. Series championships. Whoa. Yeah. There's one thing I've learned in sports and sports radio show is never say never. <laughs> I, hey, well, uh, you know what? I, I was going to say I'd be happy to be wrong, but no, actually, in that particular case, I, I would not be happy to be wrong. It's and not happening. Sticking on the themes of a soulless sports city, Atlanta is right near the top of that list of a soulless <laughs> sports city. Why, what makes them the soulless? People don't really care about their teams. Okay. They don't. All right, okay. Like, how many years with the Braves, they couldn't even sell out playoff games at the end of their run when, like, they were winning the division every year with a remarkable pitching staff? Okay, what's worse, though, George? Is Tampa worse, Solus-wise, or is Atlanta worse? Yeah, Tampa. Forget Tampa Bay Championship City. 
Half of those people aren't even from Tampa. They're all transplants from other cities. Tampa Bay. That's a soulless sports city, too. Just they got all this fell into their laps. The Bucks, the the Lightning, the Braves, uh, the Rays, it all fell into their lap. Tom Brady wanted to go play in warmer weather. Yeah, that's a great sports city. Get out of here, Tampa. Thank goodness Uh, they don't have a basketball team, George. Yeah. Well, that's true. All right. Well, George and I, George and I will be back tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern. We will go on till the end of Leafs Habs down at Scotiabank Arena. We appreciate you listening. Thank you to uh, Alex Fast. Thank you to Luke Fox, our guests. For Andrew Holland, for George, that'll do it for tonight's edition of Sportsnet Tonight. We're back again tomorrow. Enjoy Giants-Dodgers Game 4 of the NLDS.